Hello, Acts of the Blood God fans. Before we get started, I just wanted to talk very quickly about the recent Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Of course, we fully support reproductive rights here at Acts of the Blood God, and we strongly encourage you to donate to the Center for Reproductive Rights, Planned Parenthood, and the National Network of Abortion Funds. Um, our hearts go out to everybody who is struggling right now um, after this decision. And we hope that this podcast can give you a little bit of comfort. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We continue to live in interesting times. Truly, always interesting times. Also joining me is Eric Van Allen. I don't like living in interesting times. It's bad. It's, it's not good. I don't like change. I, yeah, especially not good change. I don't like change. Old Chinese proverb, or maybe Vulcan proverb. I'm not sure, but... Yes, welcome to another episode of Axel Blood God. We have plenty to cover, as always, in this latest episode, including Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Nintendo Direct Recap. Yes, we're going to be talking about Nintendo's upcoming RPG and how we're feeling about it after their 20-minute Direct. We will also be doing an Axel Blood God mid-year check-in. What are the best RPGs so far? Any trends we've noticed? And, of course, we'll be looking ahead to the rest of the year, as we think about everything that is happening. And finally, it's the Summer of Gundam, folks, and we've got another Summer of Gundam uh, segment. If you want to join in on the fun, there's a lively conversation going on over at the Discord for Summer of Gundam. And I also posted a full watch guide. So you can go and go through everything and you can watch all the shows and then you can watch the guide, listen to the guide to Gundam because then you'll actually be able to understand what the heck we were talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have to say, I'm really looking forward to Nadia's nostalgia nook slash pit this week, because the only note says Disneyland dead lizard patrol. This is going to be great. It'll be a nice surprise. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, thank you very much. Please go ahead and leave us a review on the podcast of your choice. It really brightens our day. And it helps the visibility of the pod. You can also rate the show over on Spotify, which is great. And we appreciate all of your very kind feedback. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Kappot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at CMOOSI, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod, where you can support the show, keep things going, and get access to all sorts of exclusive content in return, we just posted Charlene Dropouts, Nadia. Yes, we did. We talked about Charlene Dropouts, and this will kind of tie into my uh, what we're playing. But Charlene, uh, sorry, Final Fantasy fourteen just had uh, the new Beast Quests go up. So we were talking a lot about Beast Quests, and uh, in particular, the elephants, uh, whose names slip my mind now. But the bipedal elephants, the important thing about them is that they have hippo carts. I, I got one of those hippo carts today. Indeed. So you should go subscribe at the $5 level and be able to get access to it. You can also get access to our Axel Blood God Guide to Gundam. 
And if you go even a little higher, there's the Pantheon of the Blood God. And of course, we have all of our stars of destiny here in our live recording. And this week, we are joined by Teeps, Fulcrum83, Kel L, Not Hollow, Mango Ult, Sardin, and Zubat Man. Thank you so much for your contributions. We think you're all amazing. And the chat is always lit during episodes like this. So it's a good time. We uh, think our stars of destiny are great. But let's continue on now to what we have been playing. What are our individual sacrifices to the blood god? And I'll start by saying I've been playing Dragon Quest Eleven again, and sense. I'm really enjoying it. I fought a big boss. He was a dragon, like a Chinese dragon, and he wanted to eat my face. And I beat him with a party of... Um, the hero and I was using uh Hendrick and I was using uh is his Rab? Is his name Rab, Rab the Reb Rab, mm-hmm. Rab Oh sorry, Rab. Rab, yeah, right. Yeah. The Red Scottish Valentine, dude. noted reporter. Yep, yep. <laughs> noted Scottish <laughs> reporter. <laughs> and Savando. And I discovered that Rab was a, or sorry, I discovered that Hendrick was amazing for just smashing him with a dragon attack and everything. Yeah. Um yeah. and a Rab was able to block the the breath attacks and I was going very well and I beat him without any problem and I was feeling very good about myself and then I didn't save. Nope, nope. There's I think there might be some kind of autosave, but it's not great. You this is definitely mm-hmm. old school, you know, get off your butt and save and do it frequently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, was that up around the temple area that you went to, or were you done that part already? I think that was done. It I was heading to back to the Arbolia Highlands and stuff like okay. that. And yeah. I had just finished. I had finally resolved Eric's storyline and everything. So that finally. was all good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're, I say we are. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. I thought you were like stuck back on Angrela. Dragon Quest Eleven was just like, here's another boss. Boop. And I was like, okay, I, I guess I'll fight this boss. And he wasn't too bad, ultimately. Um, and I got another character back. I'm excited to have her in my party. Um but I don't know. I kind of like my lech um, rab. Who's yeah. So, but you probably got back sexy jade, right? I did. I like sexy yeah. jade in my sexy party. Sexy jade is pretty good. I used her for the most part because I love the the revamp ability for a oh, lot of different really reasons. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's it's a it's pretty awesome in in several ways. She's like the definition of a glass cannon, though. Um, and Henrik is just really, really, really good as a support. So I end up having like Henrik support, Rab spellcaster, Savando like pure supporter, and then the hero just doles out like six hundred damage with every attack. So it's like pretty yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, one thing I've kind of learned while playing it myself. I guess I'm skipping ahead to what I'm playing here because I'm also playing Dragon Quest Eleven. All of the characters are like so customizable in really interesting ways. So they you can really kind of tailor your party and i find that it's not the kind of game where you have loser characters who are completely useless there's um i use pretty much everyone like i rotate out frequently yeah they better so not have I. been kamari shade <laughs> oh poor kamari no no poor kamari <laughs> i really like um dragon quest 11 i like rpgs in general where I am encouraged to experiment with party combinations, especially when to when I get to a boss. And Dragon mm-hmm. Quest Eleven makes it relatively easy to keep everybody at a, a fairly similar level. Yeah. So 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, mm-hmm. And I like Call of the Characters. I think that it is one of the few RPGs where the party basically has a 100% approval rating for me. Mm. Yeah, they're all pretty cool. I mean, Savando's amazing. Uh, Jay's pretty amazing as well. I like Eric. I know some people didn't like Eric very much, but I liked him. He's fine. It's a uh, weird he's, RPG. He's cool. This is he's a okay. weird game for y'all to cover. I just, he's sorry <laughs> this about is very that, Eric. discomforting for me. <laughs> 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 I'm right here, y'all. <laughs> But I have been playing Dragon Quest XI for like three years now, and I yeah. would like to actually finish it at some point. So I know I'm making progress, and I, I think I have a couple more chapters to go at this point. So let's see how far I can push through um, this weekend. How about you, Nadia? You mentioned you're playing Dragon Quest XI again. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I have finished vanilla Dragon Quest XI, but I have never finished Dragon Quest uh, XI S. And the thing about Dragon Quest XI S also is that it has those TikTok uh, mini games or mini quests where you go back into that you go back into like old Dragon Quest games and and kind of relive certain scenarios in a new context. So I'm I'm just kind of trying to find all those scenarios and have fun have fun with them. It's but TikToks. They're called TikTokingtons. This another thing oh, about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not sorry. like actual TikToks. It's the name of the species. They're TikToks or TikTokians. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> They're little ghost guys on who like kind of follow you around on the okay, ground sometimes. Okay, okay. I was so confused for a moment. I was like, wait, they're like short missions? They're, they're like really quick and like memes? Like what are we talking in, in about? In a way, I suppose you're not you're not totally off base. But yeah, I'm trying to find those and I'm just uh, going through. There's a lot that they did with S to improve and streamline the game. So I would easily recommend that version of the game over everything else, especially on the Switch, where it really does run fantastic. Yeah. You can't yeah. go wrong. So I've been really... The really, really nice thing about Eleven as well is that if you haven't played for a billion years and you get back into it, you get a summary like right away telling you, here's what's happening. And it changes frequently. So you're never really left like, okay, well, yeah, that happened a, a long, long time ago. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. a problem. So... That's something, Eric, if you ever want to get back into it, you really don't have to worry about, okay, where was I? It's very, very easy to fall back into. Uh, Other than 11? Oh, go ahead. I I was just going to say one of the games I played this week has a similar mechanic where every time you load up a save, it's like, hey, here's what happened last time. Like, here's a previously on. And that is honestly like one of the best things that you can do for a story driven game. Real talk. I wish games like The Witcher 3 had that because, oh, my Lord. That would be really handy. No, not for sure. And otherwise, I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, as I kind of talk about in Charlie and Dropouts this week, there was a new Beast Tribe quest that dropped with these big elephant people. It's really a gas. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun because mm-hmm. if you... I, I just got to the sworn level with them today, which means I could buy their mount, which is a hippo cart, a cart pulled by a hippo, and it flies. So Sounds excellent. You're good. Like, yeah, it's just a... Uh, I've been doing the Beast Quest every day, so until I reach this point, and here I am. And big patch coming up very soon. We will be able, apparently, to go cross-world, cross-server. That's a very, very big deal. So I can finally, like, as much as I love my Blood God friends, I am looking very forward to visiting my other friends on the other side in Crystal and maybe going to Balmung and making a bunch of trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where the sexy people go. <laughs> Nadia's here to make a lot of trouble. As usual. How about you, Eric? What are you playing? 
Oh, I've been on like current Everything game as coverage usual. mode. Yeah, yeah. So let's run down the list. I don't need to talk too much about <laughs> some of these. Like, I started Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, but I'm not that far into it um, compared to where I was with the demo. So my thoughts have really not changed, except for I love that when you get the ability to go on dates with characters, it's it's the same thing as tea times, but you're like on a picnic. And it says at the end, like, if you answer correctly, you'll have a moment before you leave to observe your your chosen partner. Respectfully, of course. And it's the literal words they say. <laughs> respectfully, of course. And, oh, it's, it's a good video game. But uh, I think the one... I'll also say I played AI, uh, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. That's a, like, adventure style visual novel sort of thing. Uh, written by the 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 guy who wrote Zero Escape and Ever Seventeen and some of those games, uh, uh, Kotar- Kotaru Uchikoshi. This is probably the best thing he's done since Virtue's Last Reward. Um, it's very very good if you like detective style games. If you like adventure style games, you will gel immediately with this game. It's about uh, six years in the past. Someone's half of their body shows up in the middle of a game show <laughs> on <Yeah>. live TV. <laughs> uh, and then, and no one can figure it out. And then six years later, the other half of their body appears in the middle of a stadium with no sign of decay. Oh, my anything. God. That's so amazing. It's the half body killings. And uh, that's kind of the starting point. And to say any more would kind of tug at too many threads that you should really tug on yourself. But I'd say if you like the idea of a whodunit, a mystery sort of game, but with like zero escape style puzzles, uh, this is like very up your alley. It's going to do that thing for you very well. I would say I have I played it on PC. I liked it a lot on PC. I played the first game, which I did not like as much as this one um, on Switch. And it ran terribly on Switch. So maybe opt for this might be a great Steam Deck game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the one I really want to talk about that I think folks of the Blood God should know is Neon White. Neon White rips. Neon White is a game of the year contender. And I say that even though I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, But it is so good and i i've like grown to love it more and more with every day since i started playing it uh neon white if you don't know is like what would happen if you shoved uh suncoast video anime aisle and like vaporwave and uh speed running like the the gauntlet from titanfall 2 like that pilot's gauntlet from titanfall 2 you just shove them all in a blender and then put steve bloom in there too and just like cat it oh that was him that's that Steve, Steve Bloom. Bloom. They got Steve oh Bloom. God. They knew what they He's were doing Spike when they made Cowboy this game. Bebop. Yeah. yeah. Spike from Cowboy Bebop, Tom from Toonami. Like they knew what they were doing. Wow. Um, I was just like, this, oh, this is giving me a lot of vibes, a lot of late 90s anime vibes yes, for some reason. Yes. I don't know why. Um, the general setup of this is that you are a former assassin that has died and gone to the afterlife and in the afterlife and you don't have a memory as you usual. don't have memory of course but it's <laughs> uh, an anime game of course you don't have a memory you, we are going to soon plumb the depths of how anime this is but <laughs> uh souls every year are pulled up from the sea the miasma of purgatory and hell and all that uh to be put into these games where uh the angels of heaven And God send them running around heaven uh, because demons break out every year. So they pull up the souls of the damned and say, hey, go kill the demons. And whoever scores the most points gets to hang out in heaven and the rest go back to the sea. 
Um, so you are one of these damned souls uh, and you are all kind of giving code names. So you are neon white and there are other characters like neon yellow, neon red, neon violet, neon green. Uh, you all have masks and the whole idea is you're running through this level, trying to get from point A to point B, killing every demon along the way as fast as possible. It is a speed running dream. <laughs> it is, I, I think it is made by the same person who made Donut County, by the way. Oh, same really? developer. Yes, Ben Esposito. Oh. Uh, but the whole idea is is you you have these cards. It's a card-based system, but it's a first-person shooter. So you're running along, and you pick up Purify, which, if you primary fire it, is going to be a machine gun and has a certain number of bullets in it. And that's kind of how you kill the demons. But secondary fire is a sticky bomb launcher. And that sticky bomb can not only take out things in a group, you can launch off of the explosion, you know, rocket jump. Uh, so very quickly, very early on, you get this idea of, okay, well, maybe if I wanted to go faster, I could sticky bomb and hit the demons, but also launch myself. And that'll make me go farther and go faster. Go and the game's fast. like, good, you're, you're up to silver level. Now you finish the time at silver level, but if you get to gold, you'll rank up and you're like, okay, well I can get gold. That's only like two seconds faster. It's like, cool. You got gold. We're going to put a hint in the level that tells you where you could go to go even faster and hit that ACE time. And that's how they start reeling you in. And it, at bronze, you get the ability, you unlock the ability to find gifts that you can then give to other neons in the hub to do yes. social links. There's a social <laughs> link aspect. So. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the characters, by the way, this is the anime stuff. Okay. Neon Red, one of the first things she says when she meets you is, oh, God sent me exactly what I love, a completely clueless boy, and then points a <laughs> sniper rifle at you. <laughs> Uh, -huh. uh neon violet uh is basically uh i i don't know how to she's say she's like harley if, quinn yeah a little bit harley quinn a little bit if you've seen future diary uh the the girl character in that one that wants to like murder everybody but is like deeply in love or like the the love interest from death note like that sort of oh vibe. mia she was out of her yeah. mind yeah, yeah yeah that those vibes um yeah, Teeps has me, Yandere or whatever. Yandere, whatever. yes. Yeah. All hail yeah. Yandere. Uh, and then Neon Yellow is the biggest bro. He is such, a, he literally calls himself the Sasuke to your Naruto. <laughs> like, he's, he's the best. And this is so, I mean, I will say like part of the reason why the writing didn't resonate with me is because it's just, it, it leans too hard into memes and I actually like the, the super anime stuff it goes for. What I don't like is when it starts to like weave in, it, it does like the item ahead out me like, like it very like blatantly does like, Hey kids, we read those memes on Twitter too. And we put them in our video game. Like I'm <laughs> like, never no, age well. Yeah. You're, you're trying a little too hard there, but all the stuff that is very like late nineties anime is so good. And the speed running it will turn you into a speed running sicko. I've been competing with friends. I've been competing on the friends leaderboard. I can't even get on the global leaderboard. The global leaderboard is, is, is insane, <laughs> but uh, it's, it is just a game that is incredible. It's not for everyone, but I think it is worth looking into. If anything I said has like piqued your interest, it is one of the cooler games that's come out this year. Yeah, I agree. 
I am really into neon white and I strongly encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, it at its first blush doesn't really, it's not an RPG obviously, but I think the, the anime vibes will resonate yes. with a lot of people mm-hmm. who listen to this podcast. And it's so funny how they've incorporated stuff from, I guess, basically persona. The second that I saw that you can mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. relationship connections was really funny. So, mm-hmm. um, and you're also playing Fire Emblem Three Hopes. Yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, I haven't gotten that deep into it. Um, I'm playing so because I was a sicko. I've got a save file set up from the end of the demo for each of the routes. But I I started with Golden Deer. I think I'm going to do Golden Deer first, and then I'll do Black Eagles and then Blue Lions. Um, don't know which one I'll do the true route ending on. Uh, but I need to look into how all that stuff is triggered. Poor Dimitri, I feel like nobody cares about that poor bastard. He is the saddest one of all. He's... It's. I, I was talking to can... a friend who's, but he's so I, sad. He's yeah. he has to be a sad boy. It's like he's a aligned by the stars that he's going to be a sad boy because literally the story goes out of its way to be like, hey, we stopped a lot of the things that would have made Dimitri a sad boy. And then it turns around. It's like, oh, wait, but now you've got to like do some, you know, family murder. So you're going to be a sad boy anyway. (laughs) God pointed at him on the day he was conceived and said, sad boy. (laughs) Yep. Yep. You will. You will be the the good looking boy. And to pay for that, you are also going to be the saddest boy. Uh, He's like he's not quite eye patch and completely unkempt emo boy that he was in the time skip from three houses. But he is like still pretty much in his feelings all the time. Although maybe this time he's not going to put up with the church's BS so much as he did in three houses. Cause that was the big thing. But uh, yeah, as always uh, in fire emblems, the church is bad. So church is bad. <laughs> Even church though is bad. Cause they won't let you fuck the dragons. <laughs> Aren't they a dragon? I mean, isn't it like the leader a dragon? Uh, that's the immaculate one. one? Yeah. I don't know. Serve the church. I don't know. Yeah. As long as I played. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. That might also be a spoiler. So, <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Warning for three houses. Spoiler. Warning for three houses. Yeah, there is a dragon at one point. Um, but yeah, I I will say that like three hopes through and through is a Muso game. I also think it's a pretty good Muso game. Uh, I like a lot of the ways they've incorporated stuff. One of the things they did with this one that was not in the demo that's in the full version is you can unlock strategies. So like between main story missions, you kind of have little alternate maps that you can do that are kind of like little pocket size missions. But if you do them correctly or you like get the right objectives, it will give you a strategy that you can incorporate in the next battle. So like I just came out of one battle where I could enact three different strategies. And so I set it up. I was like, okay, uh, we know that this dude, like our first objective is to get this dude out of enemy territory. So I'm going to use a strategy to deploy extra Royal guards around him to make sure he doesn't get wiped right away. Uh, I know that one of the enemy commanders coming in is going to be Linhart and I want to recruit Linhart. So we are going to use a strategy to say, Hey, let me recruit Linhart during the battle. And so that way, when you fight him, instead of killing him, you will recruit him. Uh, And then the third one was like, Oh, have snipers at the ready for when they deploy reinforcements. So then when the game was like, Oh, the enemy's here with reinforcements, it does that. (laughs) The Muso noises. Uh, It's like, 
deploy the snipers hurry up call them in claude and i was like i hit the button and it was like snipers are firing on the enemy and you start seeing these arrows raining in it's like really cool actually i think it's a really smart thing that they've done to make this game feel it feels like war in a way that dynasty warriors doesn't always nail like dynasty warriors has that weird tension between there is a big battle going on and you are also a God King among men who can just slaughter thousands with a combo. (laughs) So uh, it does really make you sweat at times and really make you think about how you're deploying your forces and where you're moving them and where you're sending them. And uh, it does a lot of stuff that really makes you consider the battlefield and when you're deploying certain things and who you're sending to match up where and stuff like that. It's just, a thinking man's muso you know <laughs> <laughs> a little more sophisticated there i have to use two brain cells for this one instead of the normal one <laughs> you wear a monocle and smoke a cigar while playing this I game do, i do oh, that actually focus. sounds really twice, nice twice. right i'm i'm looking forward to a weekend of just playing a muso and like like you know de-stressing with that and that actually sounds like what i might do is just get a monocle and a cigar and sit there and be like mm, yes mm, good quite. muso good yeah <laughs> Good okay, year. so Sardin, good, good question from the, from the chat. Sardin asks, "Can you make them kiss?" They do not kiss in this game. Uh, I'm kissing I, it a lot. It is a travesty because this was the time for Nintendo to right itself, to right the wrong it did by making Claude straight. When Claude is the most bi I have ever seen in my life. And instead, they just make no one romanceable. And it's a wrong. It's a wrong in the history. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so. You should be putting uh, all your energy into doing muso things, not smooching. Yes, yes. Like, yeah. The the fact that they not only said male shes cannot romance Claude, but they said nobody can romance anybody. It's that's mean, Nintendo and Koei Tecmo. Nobody gets off the hook here. <laughs> I I don't understand that honestly. Stardew Valley made it so everybody could date everybody, and it's one of the most popular games of the past several years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everybody wants to kiss it's, everybody what can i say fire emblem's been inching closer and closer with every time like three houses had a lot of romance options if you were playing uh femme byleth the problem was if you were playing male byleth and you wanted to romance a male character you had like two options yeah three maybe i think three with Jurita. i think that's the right count but um yeah it's kind of a bummer kind of a bummer but mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Three Hopes seems like it turned out pretty well, as usual. We got mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. Muso winner from Koei Tecmo. Okay, that's it for what we've been playing. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, 
Priceline. Final Fantasy 16 interviews are here. I did one of them for IGN.com. And the big big takeaways are no open world, AI-controlled party members, a more mature story, and a wolf who's probably a party member that you can give commands to. So uh, I'm going to be honest. I actually kind of like the look of Final Fantasy 16 now. I'm I'm on the the happy train. I'm off the hate train. Bungie is suing a uh, fake Destiny 2 DMCA perpetrator for $7.7 million. Yuji Naka seemingly has confirmed Michael Jackson contributing music to Sonic 3. Aspire is trying to make it possible to finish KOTOR 2 on Switch. And they actually have been giving a cheat code to players uh... to skip the bugged quest, which just goes to show that KOTOR 2 is going to be bugged on every platform yeah. forever. That one has always been bugged. We gave kind of a happy recommendation based on the success of the original KOTOR a couple episodes ago. I'm sorry. Apparently KOTOR 2 is just straight busted, but working on a patch. They're working on it. We promise. Working on it. Uh, Blizzard has confirmed that WoW Dragonflight is out this year, so we'll have another WoW expansion. Tony Hawk says that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4 remakes were planned and then canned. And Sand, uh, Summer Games Done Quick 2022 is kicking off in my hometown, Bloomington, Minnesota. And the first one, live one since Awesome Games Done Quick in 2020. Uh, RPG runs to include, include Omori, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torna Chronicles, and Final Fantasy X. I think Summer Games Done Quick will be a great thing to take our minds off everything that's been happening in the world. Yeah, Summer Games Done Quick has always been kind of a bomb for for bad times and i'm glad to see that they're going back live it's funny to think about how their last show in 2020 you don't even think about hey we're not going to do this again for two more years because of a, a crazy ass mm-hmm. pandemic is going to rip across the world and just go to show day by day you know i will give them credit like their online shows have been absolutely oh, stellar and also open them up to do a lot of runs like beat saber and stuff like that that were previously not all that feasible with their previous setup and i I think that shows in that some of the runs they have scheduled for this coming week include stuff like half-life alex and all that right um i think it has honestly it it, weirdly enough it will make it a better show moving forward because now they're open to a lot more ideas and tech setup than they were before they were actually dealt with some of that one of the first to really pivot and make everything available online Mm -hmm. while Mm -hmm. a lot of conventions and stuff were struggling a lot as we know there are a lot of killer runs during those uh, during those games too. So, yeah, uh, great stuff. Highly encourage you to check it out. A uh, friend of the show, Bob Mackey, is actually in Minnesota right now, oh, going to Summer too. Games Done Quick. I'm jealous. I would like to be at home as well. Mm-hmm. But the main story that we're talking about this week, Xenoblade Chronicles Three had a 20 minute Nintendo Direct. And there was plenty to take away with it, starting with an expansion pass that goes all the way to the end of 2023 is when we're getting a very large expansion. And the rest of the stuff that's coming out is outfits and some additional challenge quests and things like that. Um, We also learned that it will support up to seven party members. There will be class changes. And Nadia, as the resident Xenoblade liker here on the podcast, I'm wondering, how did you feel about uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 coming out of that pod or coming out of that stream? 
oh, it's a goddamn mess, which is perfect. It's exactly what I want. <laughs> I want these stupid layers of customization that you're not going to find out about until like you're 30 hours into the game. And uh, just it's such a fun series to mess around with. And it's like you're so lost at the same time. You're so intrigued and so happy to discover more and more. And I mean, for me, it's all about the world, too. And the world looks great. I've always loved Xenoblade's world. Yeah, I'm a, I've always been a fan of Xenoblade's look as well. I was actually talking to NVC's uh, host, Seth Macy, about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And he was like, I don't, I don't understand what people see in this game. And so I was thrust into the situation of being kind of the devil's advocate for Xenoblade Chronicles, I suppose. And I was like, well, I mean, the soundtrack has always been lit. It has an amazing pedigree extending back to the days of the PlayStation. Um, it has great environmental art. During the trailer, there was a scene where they run up the edge of a plateau and look at this giant valley below. And just the fact that it's a uh, it's a second party uh, Nintendo Switch exclusive JRPG, uh, I think resonates with a lot of people. And it over the over time, it's crafted its own kind of mythos. I, I will say this much: it's distinct. It's not just another you know, a knockoff RPG. It's definitely uh, kind of blazed its own trail, and I respect that. There's some really stunning moments in 2, without getting into spoilery, like, for example, when you discover what's below the cloud sea. It's just uh, just a really amazing world. And I love Kyle Bosman, but he was kind of like ragging on Xenoblade and, you know, oh, who cares about these characters? Who cares about this story? Obviously, somebody does, because this is the third game that we're getting, and a lot of people are excited about it. And I think I remember Jason Schreier tearing the second the second game a new one. Like he despised it. And I, I think he was like, you know, go play Nino Kuni 2 instead, which just made me angrier. And uh it's like we're on the third game. Yes, we know the characters look kind of silly. Yes, we know it's a little bit like contrived, but I guess it's kind of like Kingdom Hearts. At this point, it's fun to make fun of Kingdom Hearts, but we all know the story's weird. We all know Yuji Naka Yuji Naka. We all know Namora is like kind of out of control. But, I mean, Yuji Naka too, but anyway, you've said it all. We've heard it all. Thank you very much. You don't have to, like, get all my ass because I like Pyra. <laughs> I have to... Hey, I I love that Xenoblade Chronicles exists because it is a JRPG-ass JRPG. It is, but that was the thing about 2, was that it came out during a time when people just really got after me for saying, oh, I think Pyra's a cool character. She looks stupid, but she's, a, she's neat. I like her. And people are like, oh, she's so awful. She's terrible representation, and this and that. And I was like, yeah, she has a stupid outfit. And if I had my way, every female character in games would have, or most of them would at least dress reasonably and act reasonably. But obviously we can't have one of the, we can't have both. So we got to have one or the other. I'd rather have a stupid looking woman character who acts like really cool. It's uh, like Bayonetta, whatever. I like, I like the character designs a lot better in Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, yeah. I, I think what happened with two was that they were so busy with, I think they were helping with uh, other games and, uh, they had to help. They had to get other artists to come in and do the artwork for. I don't know if it was them being busy. I think they were just bringing in guest artists because it helps with uh, the promotion. It's it's a right. relatively right common thing. It's a relatively yeah. common thing in Japan to have guest artists, yeah. but it it definitely made the art, um, shall we say, inconsistent. A little inconsistent yeah. for sure. Some of the guest artists were fantastic. I, speaking of Namora, I liked how one of the bad guys, he just took Cecil from Final Fantasy IV and put a mask on him and said, there you go, there's your bad mm -hmm. guy. So mm -hmm. that was great. 
But uh, some of the character designs were brilliant because they were done by like really experienced, really cool manga artists. And others were just like, hey, here's a a 10 year old, a giant boobs. Okay, well, you can go sit in the back. Thanks a lot for coming. I you know, my my stance on Xenoblade is is well documented on this podcast. I have made fun of the accents. I've made fun of the silly protagonists and how they put some 12 year old boy in charge of Pyra because that was just somebody going like. I don't know. Let's do what, what was that like 80s movie where they make the, the hot lady out of science? It's it's that to me. Oh, weird science. Oh, weird science yeah. 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 Um, all of that weird never science. really appealed to me, even though I thought the world was really cool and the concept of the world was really cool. And actually, Xenosaga episode one is one of my favorite PS2 RPGs. Um, and I, I respect any series that decides to have Jesus Christ as a character and its mythos. <laughs> um Jeez. we just plan up have jesus here he, yeah. yeah he sacrificed himself for our sins okay. yeah go okay, look okay, up jesus christ on the xena saga wiki sometime and just go down that rabbit hole it's a wild time but uh i'm gonna be honest i watched that direct and i was like you know what this looks good i am into this uh <laughs> i agree it specifically reminds me oddly enough of Valkyria Chronicles because it's the yeah. cell shading. It's the art style, but it's also mm, the it's general the idea shading, right? of here is this world locked into war. We're doing a war story. The, the protagonists are finally older. Like that was always a weird thing with Xenoblade two. We had like basically big book kid from tales of Vesperia was the main character of Xenoblade two. Um, and then Xenoblade one, it was Shulk and the power of the Monado. Monado. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I didn't vibe with either one this of those characters, of but this new guy looks like they took Yuri from Tales of Vesperia and said, let's put him in as the protagonist. And I'm like, sold. Uh, but it's, it, it's got some stuff going on. I love the kooky idea of we, by our powers combined, we become a mech. And the mech changes forms depending yes. on who's taking the lead. Like we're dance partners, so it can switch forms too. And it's I'm like, so that's really amazing. dumb anime bullshit. Exactly. I love this. That's perfect. <laughs> I will and, miss. Oh, sorry. I, I wanted to say I will miss Joramark, who is one of my favorite characters from two, which is the big white tiger who is very, very polite. And yeah, I'll miss him. I always like tiger characters. Kimari, shout outs again. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a plus on this one with the down mark earlier. But uh, it's I, I don't know. There's something about this one that I was just like, the story seems really interesting. The job system seems really interesting. The guest character system where you can kind of learn their moves from them being in the party long enough is kind of yeah, cool. That's cool. Like there's just a lot of cool stuff happening here. I was looking at it and being like, oh, this is going to be running on the switch. This might not run well on that switch. <laughs> I think that they learned a lot. Like I did an interview with the team back in the US gamer way back in the, in the day, there's a huge improvement performance wise from Xenoblade Chronicles two, which was fixed over time to mm. torn of the golden country. Mm-hmm. So when I talked to the producer, uh, his name's slipping my mind right now, of course, because I'm half asleep. Uh, he was just saying that they learned a lot from, climb that journey from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 to Torn of the Golden Country. So I think uh, the Switch is getting on in age, and if you know how to if you know how to use it, then you know how to use it. So I think it'll be all right. 
I think so too. Uh, and I think it already looks a lot better. Uh, I think I've already said it already looks a lot better than Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, of course, came out five years ago at this point. And a lot of developers at the time were really struggling with the handheld versus playing it in docked mode. And I think that uh, they've gotten a lot more savvy about how to do that. One of the things that's interesting about Monolith Soft right. is that they're a, a support studio for Nintendo. So I think they've had a lot of time to get to grips for with uh, the Nintendo Switch's hardware. Um, they're low-key one of the, the tech powerhouses uh, working with Nintendo. So I actually really expect Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to be a significant step up. I'm actually a little surprised to even have Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because I was like, I was hearing that Monolith Soft was wrapped up in uh, Breath of the Wild 2. So, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, they're busy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're busy. Leave them alone. Truly. I'm a little scattered today. But Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I, I one of the things that I'm interested in is that it's systems uh, on top of systems on top of systems. And I think oh, yes, people yes, know yes. what a systems mm -hmm. gal I am. I'm into the systems. Mm -hmm. So uh, I loved, I just love an RPG that like piles seven characters on to the game. Um, and uh, in NVC, Derek Bittner, who was our guest, was pointing out that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 basically had seven characters because you also had the, um, you, know, you know, the helpers that you could got from the gacha game. The blades, yeah. Yeah, you, you had blades mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But, and this game just only adds one more, but I mean, still seven characters is a lot. That is a not insignificant number. So that adds a lot of flexibility to the party building. And I am looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And honestly, if they can make it work without the switch slowing to a crawl, my hat's off to them because, you know, Blade Chronicles 3, Absolutely. as I said, looks really good. So a couple other items with Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It's also adding class changes. Uh, so that should add that much more depth to it. And it, uh, it'll be out pretty, pretty soon. So yeah. it's going to be out on July 29th on the Nintendo Switch. And it's going to kind of anchor the Switch's summer lineup heading into September when we have Splatoon 3. So, um, And I oh, honestly okay. think yeah. that July is kind of, the, it was originally going to be coming out later. I think July yeah. is honestly the perfect time uh, for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to be coming out because I think it would have gotten lost in the holiday season. They did a really smart thing by moving yeah, it up, provided yeah. everything's going to be okay. They're not losing time to polish the game. I don't know if a couple months would make that much of a difference, but it might. So hopefully everything will be fine, but it is certainly a smarter thing to do because this is it's going to be kind of a dead zone for games in that time. Splatoon, as you say, is still a bit of a, a time away. I feel so like something doesn't have to go up against Pokemon. I feel like something fun has been coming out practically every week, but that's mostly because I own a Nintendo Switch where games are coming out for it and mm -hmm. everything. So, or Game Pass. If you have Switch and Game Pass, you're you're kind of golden. You're good at you're the golden. moment for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles Three coming out soon, and of course we will be covering it. Okay, it's time now to move on to the Acts of the Blood God mid-year check-in. Let's talk about what some of uh, the RPGs that have been coming out, some of the RPG trends. And fam, it's actually been a pretty good year, I would say. There have been a handful of amazing RPGs, including arguably one of the best RPGs of the past decade. Uh, we put it on our top 25 RPG list. It's Elden Ring. 
I feel like we've talked a lot about Elden Ring. So let's talk about other RPGs. And let's start with January, which uh, I don't know if it's correct to say that it's already been forgotten. It got overshadowed a little bit by Elden Ring. But uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which I think... Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that Pokemon had lost a lot of had lost goodwill, but I will say that the discourse around it was a little bit toxic. And it seemed like people came out of Pokemon Legends Arceus pretty positive about yeah. what Game Freak was able to accomplish with that game. And I th- detected a definite, like a noticeable uptick in positivity around Pokemon Legends yeah, Arceus. For sure. I mm-hmm. had a question about that game, though. We've all talked in the past about how dark Pokemon can get on a very subtle level. Okay, that Pokemon Arceus, it has Emmett in it, doesn't it? The subway driver. Um, uh, yeah, I think that is him. So specifically you are telling that me that thing. this game separated this man from his twin brother, his identical twin mm-hmm. brother, Isekaido mm-hmm. off into Pokemon Land 2 or wherever he is. So you have pair of separated t- identical twins and i can't remember the name of there's emmett is kind of the the black clothed one and i can't remember the name of the white clothed one but he's the one who was left behind i suppose and it's just like you have emmett saying i kind of remember somebody who looked like me and he's just obviously something's missing uh inside of mm-hmm. him and he can't really come to terms with it and it's like that's really dark that's kind of mean separating identical twins is really not a good business i'm i feel really sad for them I mean, one of the things I'll say about Arceus is that I think getting away from the gym structure and getting away from kind of the conventional storytelling methods that Pokemon usually uses, let them do a lot more. Yeah. Like Sword and Shield had story outside of the gyms, but they always kind of had to find a way to to work back into like, oh, OK, but now we're going to go battle in a stadium real quick and then we'll go do some other stuff. But I think one of the things I really liked about Arceus's story was that you just had so much room for these characters to be doing things and, and also engaging with Pokemon in ways that we hadn't really seen before. Like they referenced the fact that Pokemon die. Like there is a major story arc about the death of one of the uh, like major Pokemon in that game, the, the Arcanine and how it left behind pups and, and they're trying to train the pups to be like the next uh, like, like Pokemon Lord of the area. And there's, there's a bunch of stuff about how, you know, scouts have not come back or they've been injured dealing with Pokemon before. Um, obviously, like you said, there's the implications of that storyline as well the, as the implication that your character has been zapped this world. And even once you fill that Pokedex and finish it off, you, you ain't going back. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, there's, there's a lot in that game that I think does some really cool storytelling stuff for Pokemon that works really well. And, and also because they're not necessarily working around trainer battles in a conventional way either, they get to do some cool stuff when that comes up too, because I'll say again that the trainer battles in the post game of, of Arceus are some of the best trainer battles in Pokemon period. Like they're, they're so good. The, the one at the mountaintop is ridiculously good both because it's it's like a direct overt reference to its basis in diamond and pearl but also like you're fighting a trainer who knows how to use type matchups like they're going to 
use their moves to destroy you. And also the moves in Arceus are kind of messed up with how yeah. powerful they are. Yeah. So like, it's a very vicious back and forth that happens every time you battle with somebody. And I really, really dig that. Um, I've, I've said it before that like, I want them to do more stuff like this in the future. It doesn't look like Pokemon Violet and Scarlet are doing that. It looks like they're going to be more traditional. Uh, I, I really hope this isn't a one and done for Pokemon legends because that system of catching and fighting and balancing everything was so cool. I loved it. We also got the uh, adult Sneasel. The full ass uh-huh. adult girl in the basket, with her mani-pedi. Sit, sitting in the basket as it climbs with her mani pedi, yeah. <laughs> the long nails, grown up ass girl. <laughs> oh my god, worth it just for that. I yeah, I think the battle system was ultimately good, but I also kind of felt it was a little frustrating in the sense of like you would send out a Pokemon, you would kill the other Pokemon, they would die, and then the next Pokemon would come out and just ruin you. So it was hard to get a sweep mm. going mm-hmm. in that game. So it was just like mm. big punch and then another punch back forth. It was just this kind of back and forth going. Uh, in the the final battle on the mountaintop, I brought in a couple of ringers at level 100, hoping that I could just kind of grind through it immediately and easily beat it. Nope, they got their butts handed to them. And I was just like, okay, yep. so... Gotta know the types. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the matter of the types. It was... I sent them out, killed the type matchup. They sent in a type that was very strong against them and immediately got a move before I could swap out. So there's no turn back mm-hmm. and forth. And so then they just died. And that was that. Ouch. They strong style. Yeah, you. pretty much. Or <laughs> speed style. style. So. Oh, I love that system too. It's such a good Pokemon system. Pokemon Legends Arceus like, was very successful and really got the switch off uh, to on, on a good foot, mm-hmm. I feel like. And um, you know, it had its rough spots and it didn't always come together entirely well, but I ultimately really enjoyed it. So Pokemon Legends Arceus, I, I think definitely one of the better games uh, released this year and a great start to the year in RPGs. Um, looking sure. uh, across the rest of the year, I mean, Cyberpunk got its big update on February mm-hmm. 15th. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of went a long way toward restoring a lot of goodwill uh, with Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, over at IGN, actually, there's a lot of excitement and interest around uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is the upcoming anime by Studio Trigger. And we've mm-hmm. fully turned around now. Uh, so people like Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, there's Cyberpunk positivity. I guess I had to have. I think time. it's a weird situation. Yeah, it's a weird situation to have because I do like I'm playing through it now for Normandy and uh, the weird part is it really just feels like it made that game realized like as it should have been from the start. But that's also then now made me question like, what did I ever think this game was going to be? Because it's kind of a a smorgasbord (laughs) of just everything. Um it's a game that wants to be everything, but doesn't do anything particularly better than other games I can think of. It's just unique in that it does it all and does it within this like cyberpunk world, which the world of Night City is beautiful. This this game is freaking gorgeous. If you got a new graphics card, you pop in Cyberpunk 2077 and you just smile at that money you spent because <laughs> it, it's all shiny. It's beautiful. But 
once you start playing the game, you're like, okay, this is like a little Deus Ex, a little Grand Theft Auto, a little Fallout, but without vats. So I just have to hit fire, which is ironically what Starfield is looking like. Yes. (laughs) Which, oh boy. Uh, But it's, there's there's something about Cyberpunk that I, I think it clicked when, I was playing recently and I was like, there's no caravan in this. There's no mini games in this. Like even with Red Dead Redemption 2, a game I think is not very good and I don't yeah, like wrong. very much. I, I, look, we, we can have this argument sometime if you want, but please, <laughs> it's, um, it at least had dominoes. And I tell you what, I spent a lot of time playing dominoes. In I Red feel Dead so Redemption bad 2. because Tilly would call me over and be like, Arthur, come play dominoes. I'm, I had no idea what I was doing, so I'd run away from her. This game was like, Arthur, you're dying of a disease. You need to go solve your problems. I was like, not now, Dutch. Oh, uh, I'm playing, playing bones over here. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I do like, okay. It's it's not a bad game. I just don't think it's the greatest game of all okay, time. That's fair. I do I do like Arthur and Dutch very much. Tahiti is <laughs> an argument. You know what's funny? Tahiti. I've got a player. What's funny offer. is that one of the destinations <laughs> we were talking about next for going sailing was literally Tahiti, and so I just I just keep going. Got to have some goddamn faith, Arthur, and nobody has any goddamn clue what i'm talking about i would stand on the bow and just scream that the whole trip tahiti i'm trying i'm trying to sneak through these bushes dutch <laughs> <laughs> i'm dummy thick <laughs> um cyberpunk uh 2077 though i i think it's it's at least you know palatable seems mean um it's at least like you can play it. It's a thing. It's a very complex work. I'm actually enjoying it through Normandy of M just because I do think that looking at something that succeeds and fails as often as cyberpunk does is like critically rewarding. But I think as a video game, it feels like the same miasma of content that a far cry yeah, does. Yeah. And I would put it in the realm of a far cry. So which I was never a fan of I, far cry I, for me. I'm sitting here like, cyberpunk edge runner uh you know could be good studio trigger is kind of a coin flip these days but i did like promare and i like kill a kill so um we'll see what they do with the world of cyberpunk but as far as cd project red goes they're full steam ahead on the witcher they're like we we saw the netflix numbers baby (laughs) chips down on the witcher (laughs) so uh I'm I'm excited for that because I love me some some Witcher. I, I really want to see where they go with that franchise in a post Geralt world. Fingers crossed. Let Geralt have his peace. Let him live on his vineyard. With I think Yennefer. the key to making Cyberpunk good is really dramatically overhauling that battle system because as it is right now, it's mm-hmm. it's just not yeah. great. And I think it makes uh, the rest it drags the rest of the game down with it. But and. And like a focus in that story, because I actually think that the more interesting game happens in the first three hours of that game where you are supposed to be with Jackie and building up your rep as somebody doing all these jobs underground. And that could have made for a really cool game. And then you end the last third with getting Keanu Reeves shoved in your head and you have to figure out what to do when Jackie's dead and all that. And instead, that's 
all of the game and that cool stuff that you were doing with Jackie that could have really reinforced their themes about become a legend or whatever uh, is a montage. So um, I think it's just also a game where I, I hope they don't have a star in the next game as much as I love me some Keanu Reeves. I, I would love them to focus more on, on night city itself and less on the weird we've got Keanu Reeves doing a rocker boy impression. <laughs> <laughs> Wake the fuck up, Samurai. <laughs> or Keanu. Oh, Keanu. Uh, March ended up being quite packed for good RPGs. We had, of course, Triangle Strategy. We had A Stranger of Paradise, Final mm-hmm. Fantasy mm-hmm. Origins, yes. which, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, that was mm-hmm. one of our uh, most highly downloaded episodes was our review <laughs> of that episode. But nobody bought the game. Why did they bust the episode? I think people were just really interested in There's... the chaos. Mm-hmm, the chaos. We also uh, got here. Weird West, which I thought would be a, kind of a bigger hit than it yeah. ultimately ended up being. But I, I know that you were playing it, Eric, and you're like, yeah, I was into Weird West. Yeah, I liked it. It does some really cool stuff. I also think it is a game that is maybe made for people who like to be nostalgic about things. Um, It because the isometric view is still it works, but for people who aren't like, oh, this is isometric. This is so cool. They're going to be like, why is this isometric? This sucks. like there's a lot of view angle aiming issues that that crop up because of that that I think adds to like the tension of the combat but other people would say like no I just want to point the button and shoot so um I it, it was a cool thing that I think is ultimately for an audience like for a niche audience and I think that's why it worked especially well as a game pass game because that's kind of what game pass should be for is like hey we made this super I feel the same way about Pentiment like Pentiment is like you watch that and you know if it's for you or not. It's very much for a niche crowd, but that niche crowd is going to get served by Pentiment. I feel the same way about Weird West where that that system allows a lot of these studios to just, you know, target their audience to a level. Um, but it's also means like if you're not into that, you're not into that. Um it's a fine game. I like Triangle Strategy a lot, though. Yeah, Triangle Strategy, Triangle Strategy was great. <laughs> it's very good. I like Zubat Man saying in the chat, Stranger of Paradise, we don't want to be in a car wreck. We just want to rubberneck it. <laughs> that's fair. That's definitely, I think, the sentiment that's going around. I, I, friend of the show, uh, Nina Freeman, who was on the, the 10 Pantheon for us, I saw her tweeting recently that Stranger of Paradise is surprisingly similar to Final Fantasy X-2 and that it basically has a dress sphere system. And that realization kind of broke my brain because that game is kind of just dress up with Jack Garland. I love that. Yeah. What a name. Oh, yeah. No, the second I saw that dude's name, I was like, okay, I know what the story of this game is. Um, but it was a wild game. I can understand why people wanted to gawk because it is gawk worthy 100 in april we got a chrono cross radical dreamers edition we got the chrono cross remaster that we've been wanting and more importantly it kind of showed that acts of the blood god has a weird way of being able to speak uh remasters that we want into existence which is a uh, pretty cool that 
mm-hmm. May, we got mm-hmm. Aiden Chronicle Rising, uh, which ended up being maybe just okay. And actually, it, no, I actually really liked you it. You really liked it. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Not even yeah. a fan. It had a bit of a slow yeah. start, but once it got going, like I said this before, but it really made me excited for what kind of world we're going to be visiting once the actual game comes out, because it's clear they, even though some people complained about the repetitive content, they, it wasn't like, okay, you have to backtrack a lot because like things like the fast travel were down pat, like just perfect. It was mm-hmm. the character designs were exactly what you want from a Suikoden game. The world itself was very charming. Yeah, and the combat system was incredibly fun. It's just this weird, intense, combo-based system that I really enjoyed. And it was a short game, but I had a great time with it. And I'm looking forward to Aiden Chronicles, uh, 100 Heroes, or what it's called. Okay, well, lots of positivity going on with Aiden Chronicle Rising from, uh, from Nadia. And then finally in June, we had a bunch of interesting little games so diablo immortal which was just a hell of microtransactions <laughs> yeah oh lordy so much laughing over here uh final fantasy 7 remake <laughs> came out on steam and was steam deck approved so if you had a steam deck yeah you could uh you could play that um omori is now out on ps4 xbox one and switch and i ended up reviewing that one for rps i think i've brought it up a time or two it, it's you know it has that earthbound vibe but it's very very dark it's basically mm-hmm. a horror rpg a great art in it a great concepts a lot of interesting uh, decisions to be made in omori i like the battle system a lot in the way that uh the the general vibe and the flow um the contrast between the world real world and the fantasy world it's it's worth checking out um and initially it looks i think of, i want to play it yeah initially it looks like just kind of your typical uh, kind of cliche it's an indie game and it's kind of dark and the art e- even the the art style which um it's kind of like hand-drawn like almost like with colored pencils and that kind of thing almost is seems a little cliche but i think it kind of transcends that so yeah mm-hmm. uh, the shadow mm-hmm. trilogy which we actually did uh for the pantheon is out uh on it came out on june 21st and then we have Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak coming on June 30th. So all in all, I think it's been a very strong first half of the year, especially if you like JRPGs, particularly if you like JRPGs. What are your thoughts? I I want to rewind real quick. There is one we missed as I was going through the release calendar on my phone here. Uh, Sizen Sleeper was oh, out right. in May. And that is one thing that I've been looking at a lot, especially in the wake of other things like Disco Elysium and Wildermyth, in that if we want to talk about trends and and that we've noticed lately, a lot of looking towards tabletop RPGs for influence in Mm -hmm. bringing role-playing games to life. I know that sounds kind of reductive and stupid because it is, but... (laughs) (laughs) um, I mean, when you think about the, you know, the trajectory that these things have taken, the, you know, you have D&D and then people try to take it to the computer, create things like Baldur's Gate. But there's been a lot of development in the RPG space, especially around different RPG systems. Uh, Season Sleeper was based on Blades in the Dark, which is a very popular alternative sort of tabletop role playing system. And 
I think there's been a lot of examination about how those systems can not only be represented in RPGs, but what they can do for RPGs. Because Disco Elysium showed that you can take this idea of die rolls and almost having different facets of your character be like party members. So like your your intuition is a party member that's in the back of your party. And if you roll a check they're going to pipe up and say something you know it's like it brought life to the fallout uh special stats and all that turned them into characters that were just in your brain all the time um and i've seen that with Sizzle sleeper that it took this idea of countdown clocks and the idea of in an rpg you are always building up meters while being careful of other meters right you don't want the bad meters to fill up but you want to fill up the good meters that's like basic game <laughs> essentially and citizen sleeper boils that down to this very basic concept of okay what if this game is all about die rolls and meters how are you going to put these yahtzee die in to manage all the meters you've got to manage to not perish in this world that wants to doesn't want to destroy you but doesn't care if you survive uh it's it's beautiful because of that it's so beautiful because of that and i think with things like that and wildermyth which took a similar approach to storytelling. We're seeing a lot of cool ideas come out of let's look to tabletop. Let's look to what people have been doing in tabletop that has really invigorated that scene. Also like actual play ideas and things like that. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in that space right now. So that along with, you know, when Baldur's Gate three gets here and just destroys my life entirely. (laughs) um, Very, very excited about the future of, of those concepts in in uh, in RPGs. So that's Sizzle Sleeper. Y'all, y'all need to play. That's my game of the year front wow. runner right now over Elden Ring. Wow. Okay, I'll have to check wow. it out. That's if it's right. That good. Hot take. Hot take. It's a good I take. <laughs> I, I suppose. <laughs> Looking through the calendar. Um, <laughs> There are a handful of RPGs that were kind of on my radar, but we didn't really get a chance to uh, discuss on Acts of Blood God. They include Lost Ark, which uh, came out from Smilegate and uh, really resonated with a lot of people, had a ton of content. And even though it's your kind of typical free-to-play grind, a lot of people were saying that at, at least until you get to the end game, um, the, the, the actual pacing is pretty good. And I've been meaning to check it out forever. And I haven't really gotten around to it, but um, it, it went over well uh, when it came out uh, back in February. There's also Edge of Eternity, which um, has also been on my radar for quite a while. That's out on console now, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and Xbox One. And uh, I've got it installed on Game Pass and it is quite beautiful. It's a quite a beautiful JRPG. J- Eric, have you heard of this one? Yeah, not great really? things. Really? Okay. <laughs> so no. Yeah, I was in, I was interested in it, and then I heard from some trusted RPG mm-hmm. friends who checked it out that they were like, "Ah, uh, maybe don't check it out. Maybe you don't need that. Nah, don't worry about it. You're good. You're good. Look at the screenshot. Screenshot's pretty right. You got what you need out of it. Move on. What's bad about <laughs> it? And looks. I I just I heard that's very like cut and dry Mm. like not it it is it sounded the impression i got was very tokyo rpg fast that's not a good good thing they're they're just not winning any games on this podcast (laughs) our favorite punching um, bag from every yeah from everything i heard about it it just sounded like very we made 
one of those. Do you like those old RPGs? Here's a game that we tried to make feel like an old RPG. And I think you can fall into some pitfalls when you do that. And this one maybe did not navigate those pitfalls. So Tiny Tina's Wonderlands just came out on March 25th and it's fantasy borderlands. Uh, uh? I, that sounds like uh? a combination. I don't care about. I think it was one of those games where I'm looking at the trailer and I'm like, okay, I get it. You're very funny. Move on. I, Oh my Maybe God. my half-year resolution will be to pay attention to games that wouldn't normally be in my wheelhouse and not to try to write them off outright. Well, it's not a matter of writing it off. It's a matter of, I can't stand these characters. Why the hell do I want to spend time with them? Fair enough. There's a million games I could be playing yeah. that I want to spend time with. I like Borderlands 2. I actually think Borderlands 2 is a pretty good game and probably the best in the series if we're not counting Tales from the Borderlands as a Borderlands game. Uh, if it is counted, then Tales from the Borderlands is the best. But uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands just right out the gate was like, look, we've got that unicorn that poops or something, and it's so <laughs> funny. And look, look at how Ray claptraps here, and he's he's going, whoa, and all that. Oh, isn't that hilarious? And I'm just like, no, please, God, let let me rest, Randy Pitchford. <laughs> <laughs> let me... There's so many other things in this world, and this, this can't fit in Do the mental ram. Do you remember the PAX where he was doing tricks on stage? And we, I remember that day. Uh, Who can forget? Kat and I were in the <laughs> the read pop room, like just waiting for something to report. I literally fell asleep. Like I felt like I pitched forward on my keyboard almost. I was just like, you know what? I'm gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to go to my next appointment. Good luck. Maybe he'll I, yeah. talk about medieval times if we get lucky. I, I do think Borderlands has a capacity to tell interesting stories. It does. It, it stories. honestly does. It has a really has interesting, a lot of really fascinating world. It not has a lot of fans, but it's, but it's just... It just also attached a weight to its ankle that just says memes, and not even with a Z, but with a cool S. I about the, the gangsta S uh, that people used to draw when they were in school. Yeah, the one that you etch into the that no one knows, no where, one it knows where it came from. from. I would love to find out who, on who first made the cool S. Yeah, it's it's the the diamond S. I, I call yeah. it the gangsta S because I was reading a story on Tumblr about how someone said their teacher didn't let them draw it because it said it was a gang symbol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cool S gang. The S crew S rolls crew. deep, you S know. S crew east side. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I Borderlands Two had some story moments that I still reflect on fondly, but even then, I think. It just gets weighed down so much by the world and a like almost like it has to meme all the time. And also, I just the guns in that game don't feel as good to me as some people feel they do. I think Destiny does gun loot better. I I feel like with Destiny, I would pick up a, a shiny new legendary and I'd be like, oh, this is really sick. And then like in in borderlands it was like overload all the time it was just every gun does something wacky and silly and i was like okay but can it just work like a gun's supposed to work it's like no it blows up when you reload and i was like it's okay, got to make fire. a clown honking noise every time <laughs> every time you fire it this one gets you dmca'd on youtube <laughs> <laughs> well i'm curious dear listener is there an rpg that you feel that we've missed that has come out this year, we want to hear about it. Send me an email, email at catablogapod.com, DM me at the underscore catbot, 
or leave a message in the mailbag. It's now time to look ahead to the rest of 2022. And I don't know. I think that it's safe to say that the biggest RPG remaining for this year is maybe a tie between Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and Xenoblade Chronicles 3, both Nintendo Switch exclusives. I think that of the two, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, it's definitely going to sell a lot better than Xenoblade Chronicles 3. That's no question. Yeah. Um, But, but, I mean, two relatively decent RPG pillars to carry us away through. There's a giant Starfield-shaped hole (laughs) where I was hoping the fall would be. Uh, In October, we're going to have two weirder ones because we'll have Marvel's Midnight Suns, which, you know, is RPG-adjacent and... Um, could be interesting. Looks kind of neat. And then Forspoken is also supposed to come out in October. Who knows if it does come out in October? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, you know, those could be cool. I don't know. Does Gotham Knights count as an RPG? You do have a character that gets better equipment over time. I, I think we can shock okay. Soul Hackers too. There we go. Sarden Sarden's on the ball in the chat. Soul Hackers too. That's what we're really. Yeah, that for. one is really flown under the radar. Weirdly, I actually tried it out at uh, Keeley Fest. Key Key Three. Is that what it was called? Play Days. Key Key Three. Yeah, I gave it a shot. It, yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting because it seems to be trying to split the difference between Shimagami Tensei and Persona. Um, it has real, uh, has some interesting vibes to it. Um, it's not quite Persona or SMT in that regard. Um, it's very user friendly in the sense that you don't really have to negotiate with demons. You just see a demon in the middle of a dungeon, you just walk up to it, and it's basically into your party. Uh, so that's I no problem at all. Uh, the characters <laughs> are the characters are a bit older. So <laughs> instead of you know going to the coffee shop to study, you buy a beer with them and talk about beer. Oh yeah. hell yeah! Finally, I can drink in I'll an SMT. I'll sit there and be like, <laughs> I love Rickard's Red, and they'll scream and curse me. That's what I want to do. Like, I want to go to the bar and have like my demons sitting next to me and have the bartender be like tough day in the demon minds. Huh? And I'm just sitting there with like Ifrit on one side and Parvati on the other. And we're all like sitting there with our mugs, just like, uh. <laughs> uh, just 10 more years in the demon minds until retirement. I want Yakuza like a dragon of everything is what that's, that's just everything. We need more old protagonists so I can relate with Absolutely. them. More. My, my uh, monkey paw game, Valkyrie Elysium, is coming out this year. Yes. Oh, lordy. I can't wait to see what that mess is going to be about. <laughs> I, f- I forgot that's coming out. I want out. it to be good. I want it to be good, too. I just want it to be good. <laughs> I'm not ready to wet, write it off. It might be okay. It's still fine, y'all. It's still good. It's still, it's still good. good. It's still good. This is a little mobile looking. Look, more more power to you. I hope. I hope for you. I, I'm looking forward to the front mission remake. That looks I, I would love to play some mm. front mission. I'm in the mood for mechs right now, especially with the summer of Gundam we got going. Uh I, I need something where I can make mobile suits shoot artillery at each other and stuff and, and be chunky and blow up. Be chunky and that, blow up. Into the breach just got an update, yeah, big didn't one. it? Into the breach did. Thank you for reminding me about that. Yeah, I need to get that need- on my Steam at deck ASAP. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. Yeah. I'll, 
I want to check that out because that is one of the few games next to like Armored Core that like got the idea of big chunky mech. Chunky, chunky <laughs> peanut butter. Into the I enjoy. I, enjoy I beat the it big really fast. Mech. It's so good. I beat good. it surprisingly fast, but I absolutely loved what it ended up doing. So and it's like the mm-hmm. ad- advanced mm-hmm. edition added so much. But um, One Piece Odyssey is coming out. I, I don't know how that one's going to turn out. It might be good. Oh, might be yeah. okay. Uh, Bandai Namco has a little bit of a mixed track record on that one. Uh, yeah. The Dragon Ball Z Karkarot was not very good, unfortunately. Kakarot. 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 It's carrot. It's carrot. Oh, Kakarot. Yeah. You got to say it like Kakarot. Bakarot. You have to say it with a little bit of disdain in your voice every time. Kakarot. Pathetic saying. But Piccolo. <laughs> I can't do a good Goku. <laughs> Goku's a hard one to do, yeah, for sure. It is. I mean, yeah, like Goku's only been done by like what one voice actor for like all of it for all of we, Z. We had and Ian Corbett in Canada for most of its run, and I can't mm-hmm. remember who mm-hmm. America had. It was it was weird how they split off the cast like that. I always like Vegeta's voice the most. Well, Vegeta's always he's, great. He's my favorite. Too bad it's Sunday. Yes, boys. Mondo, cool. <laughs> so great. What a great uh, dub. <laughs> we are getting Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero, which came out on yes. the PSP back in 2010. It's finally coming out on Nintendo Switch in September, September 27th. So this one is a long time coming, a 12-year-old RPG. Yeah, yeah. And we got Live Alive coming up yeah. too. Yeah. Right before Xenoblade oh, 3. Right. I don't know why Nintendo planned it that way, but you know. I'm kind of looking forward to Temtem. So the full version oh. of it's coming out. That low key could end up being yeah. really successful, I think. Which game? Temtem. Is that the Pokemon? That's a, it's a Pokemon. Pokemon style, but you like oh, dance. Oh, weird stuff, game. Right? Yeah. Okay. Isn't that by the people who did <laughs> Arc or, or something? They did something else that was the same way it was brilliant in concept but it was a complete mess in reality so it's gonna be like either brilliant or a complete mess maybe both i'm really kind of wondering how they're gonna skirt the joke between haha violent pokemon look at our or look at our really you're you're thinking of something else am i really naughty you're thinking of the one that looks like pokemon with guns isn't that the one we're talking about isn't temtem out no no the the one it went into early access temtem oh yeah but temtem is not that one temtem is like very wholesome direct style thing where like everybody's just kind of vibing out and hanging out and doing stuff and it's like got some pokemon like yeah, dance battles yeah. and stuff but no it's not the one where like pokemon are working in sweatshops that is so stuff. messed up di- i don't know what to think about it's that. a different game <laughs> but temtem i remember it was kind of a, a popular thing for a while there and it just dropped off the face of the earth so i guess it's coming back yeah it went to early access and just kind of dipped off and now it's kind of surging back it's it's got like the i don't know if it's 1.0 or if it's coming to consoles or something but it is yeah, it should be interesting uh it's circling back around and i always heard good things i want to say katie used I think to talk katie about was a fan a fairly good deal yeah yeah and digimon survive which is coming out july 28th oh right a survival rpg I don't know what to think about Digimon. I can't deal with the fact that I have a dinosaur that evolves into like a refrigerator with boobs. Mm-hmm. It just, I'm yep. so Pokemon yep. oriented. It's like, here's a small mm-hmm. cat. Here's mm-hmm. a big cat. Okay, I can handle that. Here's um, a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay, cool. And now it's a, a, a jet fighter with an ass. Okay, well, you lost exactly. me. Exactly. 
this is this is why I like to think of it this way is that Digimon Pokemon is like what if the internet didn't exist and everyone just kind of evolved naturally uh, as nature <laughs> intended and Digimon is what if we put the Pokemon in the internet and now the internet it's like okay well you have a perfectly good little monster but now it went over to AO3 and so now it turns into a refrigerator <laughs> with boobs. Uh, that's my head canon for how Digimon works is just the Digimon visit the websites and things get weird. That's fair. <laughs> so fair deal. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to Digimon survive because it's like one part visual novel adventure and one part tactics RPG, which just makes no sense to me. Uh, it, it defies all reason, but they said the right things. They said the magic words. So I'm paying attention, but um, I, I don't know. Digimon's always weird. I part of me wishes this was Monster Rancher because I think Monster Rancher is the maligned uh, underdog of the monster raising genre, and I want more Monster Rancher content. And I'll never get it. Monsters so. rule. Monster Rancher was so I good. I liked the anime. Deserved better when I was a kid. When I was Deserved younger, better. I used to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of those really cheap to get animes that ended up on Teletoon, which is a, a Canadian station with no yeah. money. So. Yeah. Uh, that's this, why I watch it. It's aired on like the WB block down here. Yeah. Uh, that's how I learned about Swayzo and Mochi. <laughs> Mochi! <laughs> yeah. And the, the tiger, oh. the wolf named Tiger for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's a big help. The, the rabbit's named Hare, but the wolf is named Tiger. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> well, great. let's wrap up with an RPG that we think is our favorite from the first half of the year. Uh, an RPG that we think was maybe overlooked in the first half of the year, and then the RPG that we're looking forward to the most through the rest of 2022. And I'll start with you, Nadia. Let's see. Um, my favorite was probably Elden Ring. I poured like 300 hours into it. You know what, though? I haven't beaten the final boss. I got so burnt out by the end. Really? I finally you never one. finished it. <laughs> I, I beat Milena. <laughs> And I got to Godfrey the Golden and I saw his big ass line and I said, you know what? I need to take a break. And so since then, <laughs> I will go back to it. I will finish it because there's no way I am going to surmount every single one of those challenges that I sweat over and not finish it. I just wanted to go back to Final Fantasy for a while and get a hippo cart and hippo cart achieved. Mm-hmm. I'll go back mm-hmm. probably sooner than later. And especially since there's almost certainly going to be DLC for that game. But overall, I loved it. Just it consumed my life for for. Well, much of the spring, I suppose. And beyond that, looking forward to uh, to toss up between between Pokemon and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'll probably enjoy both. It's perfectly fine. One that was overlooked, um, maybe Yeren Chronicles. I really do hope that people like take a good look at that and please get excited for the final product. How about you, Eric? I think my favorite, as I said before, is probably Sizzin Sleeper. Uh, I think it's just a game that I haven't stopped thinking about since I played it. And uh, it did so many cool things and had so much to say that I just think about still to this day. And and those characters, that world, those systems really like change the way I think about design and games from a base level. And uh, yeah, I can't I can't say enough good about that game. Um. I will say the one underrated that has surprised me is Triangle Strategy feels like it's not talked about very much. It's talked about and, among RPG um, nerds. That makes sense. I I I guess, but even it's sold you know, well. It, it feels sold like the well fervor, by RPG it feels standards. like the fervor wasn't there. 
feels like the fervor wasn't there is all I'm saying. It did get overshadowed a little bit. I think bit, maybe but, Tactics Game um, fans are just very demure, very down to earth, very hurf, hurf, hurf. They're, they're still working on i mean i haven't done the golden route yet in that game i only did the like base ending that that you can do uh and so i'd like to go back and golden route that at some point but it's i think it was just a, a wonderful tactics rpg that had so many cool i mean, go back and listen to any of the podcasts mm-hmm. we did about it about how all the classes are so inventive and interesting and there's so many cool ideas that they work with in that game and and it's it's a really nice blend of a lot of different concepts from tactical RPGs, but also a lot of like fresh takes on those systems as well that I think it is an absolutely amazing addition to anybody's switch library. I've already loaned my copy out to a few people (laughs) and been like, play this. And every time they come back, they're like, Oh my God, that was so good. And they're talking about the builder dude and his ballistas and the little things that (laughs) shove them off the cliffs. It's great. I love this game. Um, what I'm looking forward to the most, I don't really soul hackers too might be it. Um, you know, I, I think I'm more just interested because there's not really a game on the docket right now that I'd say is like, uh, Oh my God, I need to play this game right now. Most of that stuff has been pushed to 2023. And so I'm just interested in trying some things that I haven't really tried before. So Xenoblade is now up there. I'm probably going to give three a shot, a genuine shot. Uh, One Piece Odyssey is also something that I'm just curious about. I want to see what they do with it. I like Tales of Arise a lot. And I'm, you know, if they use some of the lessons learned from that could be really good. So, um, yeah, I'll say Xenoblade 3, probably what I'm looking forward to as well. It looks like anime BS and I'm here for it. So... (laughs) As for me, I think that my favorite RPG of the first half of 2022 is definitely Elden Ring. Um, It's one of the best games I've ever played. I was absolutely floored by the scope and the craftsmanship, especially of the the very large dungeons that you were able to explore. I loved how uh, deep it was, um, it but at the same time, it was quite accessible. I really loved the quality of life improvements. As usual, it was a, a marvelous world to get to know and to explore. And um, yeah, like several of the characters from that game are my are now my girlfriends. We're like a throuple, and it's great. So uh, I, I'm just please don't tell me you hooked up with Melina. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're we're just the two of us right here. She's got like <laughs> chlamydia everywhere on her. Oh my god, you. Um, Oh God, the scarlet rot. <laughs> Anytime I come across anything nasty, I'm like, oh God, it's a scarlet rock. Like I bought some cherries and I was like, oh shit, half of these have the scarlet rot. This cherry's going to turn me into a Radon. <laughs> Shuffling zombie with a tiny be, horse. Going to be riding my cat around the horse, around the house with two big cleavers in my hands. <laughs> yeah, uh, Elden Ring, is, it's a fabulous game. And I don't feel like I'm breaking any ground by saying that, but... Um, as for games that I'm really looking forward to, um, I think that my most anticipated RPG is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, just because of the uh, the co-op aspects. But I am low-key really looking forward to Sea of Stars, which uh, potentially mm. is coming out in 2022. Mm. Yes. Absolutely yeah. gorgeous game from... Um, yeah, for sure. What was the ninja game that turned into the 16-bit game? I forget what... The Messenger. The Messenger. The folks messenger. from the messenger yeah. did that one and that was really good Sabotage. yeah we haven't talked about sea of stars i really hope it comes out 
this year. I think it's more likely to come out in early 2023 because we haven't yeah, heard much. But I do. I am hoping. I think we're going to have a Nintendo Direct mm-hmm, next week. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are probably going to get an update on Sea of Stars. So stay yeah, tuned. Sure. Um, as for games that are overlooked, I think Omori and Weird West are two of my picks. Um, I do want to try Omori. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm going to download it when we're done here. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. Go, go check them out. I think they're uh, very good. And that is our 2022 status report for right now. And now it's time to continue on to our ongoing segment right now. It's the Summer of Gundam. start by checking in on eric and nadia eric and nadia how's your homework going how much gundam have you watched in the past week all of the gundam or just some of the gundam eric i know that you bought some gunpla oh he's putting his hand over the camera (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh so about that uh i kind of been uh very busy and so my homework has not been going super well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I promise it will rally in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, here, I, I mean, I don't know, I want to turn around and show it off to the stars because they've already seen it. But I did buy a uh, a Gunpla of Char Aznabal's Red Comet version Zaku from Gundam The Origin. Um, That's pretty cool. And weirdly fell down a rabbit hole of watching YouTubes about Gunpla in the process because I was like really concerned. So I bought like a kit online so because i don't even have clippers here right i don't have any of the tools you need to build gunpla with so i just found a kit that had like oh it's got some clippers and some files and stuff like that it's got like a mat you can lay out and this all looks good i'll i'll buy this sure that'll come in with the zaku so it's here now and it's got a bunch of different like grades like coarseness of a file and it even came with what I think is supposed to be for like buffing nails, like if you're doing like pedicures. Oh yeah, or something. I know what you're talking about. But they're yeah. just they're just like, hey, you could use this on a gun blah. I don't know. It's in the box. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, cool. All right. I it came in a very nice satin bag that I was very happy about. It's a very nice little bag for my pedicure tool that I'm going to use on my gun blah. But uh it's I I kind of got overwhelmed once I saw that because I was like, oh, how much is like really involved in this? And that's when I went on Gunpla YouTube and found these dudes who do so much to their Gunpla. They're they're like putting primer on it and then airbrushing Damn. new colors on and they're doing panel lining and <laughs> custom detailing and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, that's too much. So <laughs> we, I went through a whole process this week of being like, how into this am I going to get? And I'm now here on Friday uh, as of this recording saying, uh, I'm just going to build the damn Zaku <laughs> and I'm going to try and use the the sandpaper and stuff to like make sure I don't have nubs sticking out or anything. But uh, I'm looking forward to just putting that together because it's like a cool, you know, that's kind of like part of the Gundam fandom thing. We talked about it during Guide to Gundam, but like, you know, having a little representation of these guys, the way they snap together like Legos is just really cool. And I haven't built one of these in years, so 
I'll report back and tell you how bad it went, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's like a cool little tactile experience to like highlight this. And then I'll have it in my backdrop. So we'll always have a visual representation of the summer of Gundam in my, Yay. in my live shot. You know, I think I've important. mentioned, I've, I think I've mentioned I've only ever built one Gumpla and it's not even from the OG mm-hmm. series. It was the Buster Gundam from Gundam seed, which for whatever reason, I really mm-hmm. liked, um, mm-hmm. The Buster Gundam, if you're not familiar with it, is a Gundam that can create this giant artillery piece, um, or it can disconnect it and then turn it into basically a shotgun. And nice, okay. yeah. Okay. And Gundam Seed is a lot like Gundam 0079, but one of the conceits is because you have more Gundams that are going to sell at the model shop, they have four Gundams that are stolen by the other side as well. And so the main character is having to fight uh, very handsome uh, teenage boys who are all flying Gundams against him. Oh. And one of them is the Buster Gundam, and it's piloted by kind of a douchebag mm-hmm. named Diarca. And um, fun fact, his, his Gundam was selling the worst out of all of them in the model shop. So they created, they hatched an entire plot line where he defects over to the other side <laughs> just so that he could get yeah. more screen time and people would want to buy his model. Uh, capitalism. Can, can we can we talk about something from 0079 that's been sure. bothering me? So there's the blonde dude that shows up near the end of the second movie. Like as as they're heading into space, they're like, by the way, oh, we yeah, got reinforcements like in this blonde dude. Yeah. And that dude, I'm convinced they just added him because they got tired of Bright slapping the shit out of Amaro and they needed somebody else to be slapping the shit out of people on that show. Because that dude, full like torque, just brings it across yeah. on like multiple people not long after he joins the ship. And then they're like, hey, what if the the pilot girl was in love with him? And I was like, the hell did this come from? And they're just like, yep, there's a love triangle between Bright and and Pilot and and Full Torque Slap Man. And Full Torque Slap Man. I don't understand it. Yeah, that's his name to me now, is is like the dude from that uh space thing from MST3K. He's like buff hard body, but he's just full torque slap man. Uh like he is just this bizarre character. And was like, did they just introduce him so they could have somebody die in a core fighter? Is that what it was? He has a mini arc in the actual show. And I think one of the many flaws of the movies is that they don't really have time to develop some of these little storylines across multiple episodes. So I think that in the original show, you get to know him. He's kind of an interloper on the white base crew. And you're like, oh, God, what a jackass. I hate this guy. But yeah. over time, he shows his valor and eventually makes a heroic sacrifice. So you're like, oh, I guess in the end he was all right. So, yeah. But in the movie, obviously, you get him for like 10 minutes and you're like, boy, God, I hate that guy. And then he's dead and it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I just saw him slap the bejesus out of two different people, reject a kiss and then die. And I was like, cool, man, you lived as, as few have dared to dream. You died as you lived. <laughs> full torque <laughs> he's like coming out of the cockpit like going in there to slap the gun <laughs> he's like got this uh yeah so that while you were describing this like 
douche pilot who defected or whatever, all I could think of was full <laughs> torque slap man just being like, I'm defected. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like Gundam Seed though. I, I think I've mentioned or time or two. It was all right. Um, Nadia, how about you? Have you been doing your Gundam homework? Uh, I actually just started a mobile suit Zeta Gundam. Oh, so what do you think? I, so far, so good. Like it's um, it's basically a continuation of what happens after the one year war. Correct? Like it's uh, it's, a, it's a there's a black Gundam. It's a, it's a few years later. So it's a few years later. So, okay, so. 00, the original Gundam takes place in 0079, right? On the Universal mm-hmm. Century timeline, and Gundam double uh, and Zeta Gundam takes place in 0087. So about eight years later. Everybody's been aged up okay. a bit. Uh, some of the things have changed in the setting, so it's a bit different. Yeah, so I haven't gotten too far into that, but so far it's uh, it's good. I'm amused by the main character. His his Camille. He has a woman's name, Camille. Apparently, that's a is that a woman's name? I just thought it was a name. It's kind of femme, I guess. Uh, I guess one of the things about Zeta Gundam is that there's a lot of of uh, masculine. There's a lot of fragile masculinity in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, and a okay, lot of women yeah. looking yeah. into the camera and being like, what does it mean to be a woman? Perhaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some women. There's such a mystery. <laughs> Who is this girl I see staring yeah, straight, straight back at me? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just posted the strike freedom in the chat. One of the one of the better designs, I think, though I prefer the original freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that happens in later shows. Um, is the concept of the mid-season upgrade in which mm-hmm. the character starts mm-hmm. off with mm-hmm. kind of the basic iconic Gundam like in 0079 but then they get a much cooler upgraded yeah, version. It's like, it's like their Gundam is a Pokemon and evolves. So yeah. Yeah. in Gundam Seed he starts out with something called the Impulse and has like three different backpacks which by the way you can buy all three different Gunpla models variations of the of, uh, of the strike mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but then mid-season he gets the freedom which can like shoot all of these beams at once and take out all of the bad guys and um it, it's very cool actually that sounds very very battle anime i like that. oh it's very battle anime i just want to play armored sure. core now i just want to play like armored it has core. these wings on the back that flip forward and then shoot like six different beams at once but i've seen in 10 billion rpg weapons that do that or monsters that do that they unfurl their wings and a bunch yep. of like well they, they kind of design it as feathers uh-huh. sometimes but it's just like they what? come shooting at you what is it with wings because like gundam wing had that too obviously wings like are cool wing gundam got one winged angel like is it just like oh it looks like an yeah. angel yeah <laughs> is it, did we go all the way around like people were watching evangelion yes. obviously zato predated it Evangelion, right? Zeta or was it, way was predated there? Evangelion because it came out in predated. 1986. Yeah. So is this like a case of Evangelion was going like, man, they use a lot of angel like imagery in Gundam. That's weird. I mean, or was everybody just going like, oh, let's use that Christian imagery. We I mean, Hano was <laughs> an acknowledged Gundam fan. So that is definitely yeah, true. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I think. Obviously, I'm not Japanese, so take my words from with a grain of salt. But my experience when I was living over there was that people saw uh, American style Christianity as just kind of cool, and they're like, "Oh, I love the imagery from this, like the Catholic Church and all of the the rituals and everything." And so that's just a fun thing to incorporate into our shows. 
Yeah, like all the the wild, like if you actually look at like art depictions of what angels are supposed yeah. to be, not as like, oh, here's a cherub with a heart, but like here's this unknowable cosmic horror with mm-hmm. wings. <laughs> like, okay, okay, but, like okay. in Victory Gundam, the V two, which is actually my personal favorite design of like almost any Gundam, has these wings of light, which are these mm-hmm. uh, big electromagnetic wings that make it look like it's actually flapping wings and flying. And it looks cool. The effect is actually really cool. And the wings can slice enemies in half. So I always kind of liked that as well. Now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure that Final Fantasy XIV, the Sage job, pretty much just took Gundam stuff and mm, put it on everyone's okay. back. Everybody yeah. took Gundam. You're a Gundam that I heals now. That. Yeah. Oh, Gundam right. borrows, uh, everybody borrowed from Gundam. Like Gundam laid the groundwork for like oh, se- 75% of the mecha imagery and Mazinger and Getter Robo did all the rest mm. and, and Macross. So mm-hmm. yeah, no. Uh, but how far are you in Zeta Gundam? Oh, no, I, I'm just like, I just started. So I like can't really literally say. started like, like know, two episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have more to report on that. But for, for now, I, I met Camille and he's angry. He is always he a got, very uh, angry we'll blue haired boy. Yes, it's true. He's a very, he wanted to go mm-hmm. see his hero and his hero like called him. He said, you look like a woman. And uh, well, it kind of escalated from there. Punch the hell out of Jared. A lot of people get slapped in this one, too. He oh, got his okay. Ass see, that's like, you got to open with that. Face. Oh, yeah. like, he got curb stomped. It was. It was brutal. The beginning of a beautiful relationship between Jared and Camille. <laughs> oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, Jer- Jared is one of my all-time favorite Gundam antagonists. He's great. I look forward to your thoughts on Jared Mesa. But all right, for sure. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm going to be checking in with you each week. So you better be watching your Gundam so that I can I so you have interesting like things to say. <laughs> well, drink your Ovaltine and watch your Gundam. Drink your Ovaltine and watch your Gundam, kids. <laughs> All right, that is our Summer of Gundam segment for this week. And now it's time for Nadia to take us home. the notes uh dis what did i write disneyland dead lizard patrol that's incorrect it was disney world dead lizard patrol uh-huh. <coughs> excuse me <laughs> glad we've got thank you for clarifying that nadia <laughs> well basically the first time i went to disney world was um to preview uh what was it? epic mickey 2 which was not very well received game but they took me to disneyland sorry disney world to, to preview it and that was my first time there and i was just like this place is freaking me out i can't deal with this because it's like everyone's so unnaturally happy you know what i mean and just i was expecting like you know a a big amusement park i, I know amusement parks obviously i worked at canada's wonderland just thinking oh it's just like that just bigger no mm-hmm. it's its own world and everyone inside that mm-hmm. world has this facade that's so happy and cheerful and i'm walking through it the the i can't remember which region it was with um chris hoffman and i'm like what if like a nuclear bomb hit this place straight on. It would just be like the weirdest vibe, wouldn't it? Or of like a, a zombie virus spread through Disney World. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? And he's like, he's the sweetest guy. He's like, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, this kind of vibe continued when I was in my room, which was in the the Grand Floridian. It was a really nice, really nice uh, uh, resort. And one thing you notice a lot about warmer climes, like 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 Florida when you live in Canada is like holy crap there are lizards everywhere and I love it little mm-hmm. tiny lizards mm-hmm. that, that just kind of skitter everywhere you don't see that in Canada mm-hmm. 
So I pay very close attention to them. Now, unsurprisingly, since this ground was big, you had people driving around on golf carts. And unfortunately, the poor lizards were sometimes the victims of these golf carts. Now, here's what's interesting. That dead lizard that would inevitably happen when a, a, a golf cart drove by, this carcass never remained for more than a minute. You turned your back. It was oh, yeah, gone, yeah. just vanished. And I never saw someone pick these up, but I never, ever saw a dead lizard linger there for more than like uh, 20 minutes. And I'm like, who's doing this? Who is on dead lizard patrol? There has to be someone, a caretaker, because there's it's so many mysterious things going on in the background of Disney. It's absolutely like their their colony of cats that keep the Rona population down. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was reading yeah. the other day about like they have this weird stuff in place specifically to keep mosquitoes out of the park, and it largely works. They have a million tactics, and it's just. The happiest place on earth indeed, but at what cost? At what cost? <laughs> what cost? <laughs> I so I mean the answer to your dead lizard thing is probably just like cast members are moving it because yeah. one of the things that surprised me when I went last year was just how many people work at Disney yes. World. I don't think you like actually think about it until you're there and you're seeing all these people working rides working so like every time a cast member is out they have a crew with that cast member at like all all the attractions have people they're like just roaming uh-huh. like disneyland employees they're probably i wouldn't be surprised if they have some plainclothes people that just walk around and and just kind of do spot checks and stuff like that um and all of them i mean if you work retail you probably know this like if you see a mess you clean it yeah. up you know if it's something that's intensive you let somebody know but if you just see like a discarded napkin or whatever you just pick it up and throw it in the trash can that's like part of the job is like i forget they like not fronting but like something you know, a similar concept to like making sure that everything looks neat when you're walking by um and apparently in disney world that just means getting the dead lizard out of there <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but man, what a trip. Like I like I said, I had never been to Disney until that point. So I got to be on Haunted Mansion for the first time. That was very cool to see. And this was all with Warren Spector, by the way, because he was in charge of the game and he was with us. And he was like a child the whole time. We like we're going on the Dumbo rides. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. The Peter Pan ride uh, sounds like I can hear it creaking. It's just <laughs> it could probably use some yeah, oil. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, yeah. I did love the I did just kind of stand out there in the pouring rain while he's watching fireworks. So I sat there and, and like, you know, just kind of watched with him and like, Oh, I sure am getting soaking by <laughs> watching fireworks with Warren Spector. Cause watching this is my life now. Warren Spector. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually didn't spend too much time in the park because before we would, we were sent off to go look at the game. We were allowed to spend some time in the park if we wanted it. We had free tickets. So I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to bother. But what I did do, there was a pool in the hotel with a water slide. So I was oh, like an yeah, otter yeah. going up and the, the kind of running up the water slide going wee and then getting up the water slide wee cuz i just i just fascinated with the water slide I, I had a good time then i caught the worst cold of my life oh wow the end <laughs> the end like mickey is a plague rat the end uh, i think just the words mickey is a plague rat makes this a a, a pit yeah yeah oh no that was a nook oh, that was God, that was a lizards? nice nostalgia nook yeah it's the dead lizards make it a nook then again it's not as bad as it can get it's true. It could get so yeah, much worse. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much yeah. for Nadia. Yes, Kal-El says, Nadia just described the pit of capitalism. <laughs> it absolutely is. That is the, the capital of capitalism right there. 
And on that note, that's the end of this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, once again, please go ahead and review us on the podcatcher of your choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. You can also follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at C. Lucy. Thanks again to our stars of Destiny for all of their generous support. And thank you so much for joining us on this week's live show. If you want to support the podcast and allow us to keep talking about RPGs and keep this whole crazy ship going, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We'll be back next week to talk more about RPGs, and God knows we have plenty to discuss. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring.